Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When a conspiracy theorist gains control over a town's water supply, the residents are left to ask, What? What are you talking about? Why are you doing stuff to our water, man? And then we travel to Colorado to take a look at the story of two young kids using the restroom at a department store. That's normal. Kids always go to the bathroom. But what happens when they never come out? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun. I hope you guys didn't listen to Monday's episode because man, that was gross. But someone who never grosses me out walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone, give it up. For Brandon Schlob. Woohoo! Yeah, come on! He's shaking his head. He's like, that's not how you pronounce my name. Well, Brandon, come on into Dead Rabbit Command. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's totally fine. I totally get it. I do. Just help spread the word about the show, please. That really, really, really helps out a lot. If this show gives you any value at all, please spread the word of Dead Rabbit Radio. Brandon, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. Let's get this adventure started. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to Richmond, Virginia. Now, this is a story we started yesterday. If you missed yesterday's episode, that's totally fine. You don't have to listen to every episode. But I actually got sidetracked, and I talked about a story involving the Smithsonian Institute and how they were covering up or ignoring proof that other civilizations from Europe and the Middle East and Asia may have been visiting the Americas long before Columbus. And because of one man, John Wesley Powell, he crafted the Powell Doctrine, which changed the way the Smithsonian investigated this stuff. Very, very interesting story. Very, very cool story I've been wanting to tell you guys for a while. And it actually dovetails into this one. Because what we're looking at is when one person lets their own personal prejudices or personal beliefs interfere with everyone else's lives. So we're headed out to Richmond, Virginia, and we get there. It's just a normal little town. We're walking around. We're buying trinkets. We're like, hey, is this place haunted? Is this this a place we're standing in right now? We're standing in the graveyard. They're like, yeah, it's pretty haunted here. We're walking around. We're looking for ghosts, right? That's what I do everywhere I go. As we're sitting there, we're like, man, I'm really thirsty. Are you thirsty? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Brandon, why don't you drive us over to the uh, water shop? It's a place where we can drink nothing but water. And we're drinking glasses of water. Mmm, this is so good. Nobody ever said regarding water. Mmm, mmm, mmm. I love this taste of nothing. And we're drinking the water. We're like, dude, try this glass. We're like pouring it. <laughs> we're pouring it on each other. It's a wet t-shirt contest all of a sudden. I win. 
And we got our bellies full of water, right? We're like, man, that sure was a lot of delicious water. This place is so good. Let's live here. Just based on the water alone. So we're like hanging out. You quit your job. You leave your family behind. Now we're all hanging out in Richmond, Virginia. And every day is the same. We're just drinking this sweet, sweet, delicious water. And we start to notice something. We're walking around town. And I go, hey, dude. You know, I know we've been spending a lot of time together down at the water shop. And I don't mean to, like, pry, but I've noticed your teeth look a little brittle. <laughs> and you're like, what? That's that's horrible. But I've noticed it was true. The other day I was eating mashed potatoes and a tooth broke. I go, what? And he goes, yeah, Jason, I don't want to tell you this, but your teeth, they're looking pretty jacked up, too. Like, I can see the enamel falling off of them. And I'm like, no, not the enamel. <laughs> okay, so then, <laughs> that might be, I might be taking it to an extreme. I don't think what this guy did is going to make your teeth dissolve in two weeks. Just because, and I'm about to get into some stuff, and there's a huge controversy surrounding all of this stuff. So I might have exaggerated a bit. I'm not saying if you visit Richmond, Virginia for more than two weeks, your teeth will shatter if you eat a plate of mashed potatoes. I'm not saying that. Let's get to the actual story. It was supposed to just be an intro, and it just became ridiculous. This story's true, though. This story is true, and I gotta give a shout-out to Lisa Rathke. She wrote an article for the Associated Press that it got most of my information from, and then I, I dug up some other stuff about the conspiracy theory itself. We'll get into that, but... Lisa Rathke recently wrote this article for the Associated Press, and what happened was, in September of 2022, this is a very recent story, it's still going on, in the town of Richmond, Vermont, so not Virginia, <laughs> how many times did I say Virginia? Oh, I, guys, I apologize, I apologize. Anyways, Richmond, Vermont is where we are at, Richmond, Vermont, walking around, Teeth are falling out, drinking the water. Richmond, Vermont. It's a small town, has a population of only about 4,100 people. And what has happened is there has been an uproar in this town because Kendall Chamberlain, he is the water and wastewater superintendent of Richmond. What happened was he decided, basically he says, I got some information, whether that was reading articles reading stuff online, who knows what his sources were. But he said, I started to come to the conclusion that we should not be putting fluoride in our water. Now, not because of the old school boomer conspiracy theories that it's some sort of like government plan to calcify the pineal gland. Not any of the, it's going to turn us all into zombies. You know, Those are old school conspiracy theories about fluoride in the water. He says, what I had learned is that America gets its fluoride from China. And it's not being tested. And they're just shipping it to us, and we're putting it in our water supply. And who knows what's in it? Who knows what's in it? It's not being tested. They're shipping it over to us. So I made the decision to stop putting it in the water supply. Now, there's a lot of controversy still about fluoride. And there's honestly, because I looked this up, I read this article by Lisa, thought it was really interesting, but then obviously we're conspiracy theory podcasts to start looking at the other side. There are concerns from people about the fluoride that comes from China. There is. There was one city to compare this. So we have this one in Richmond, Vermont. They said, we're not going to put fluoride in our water anymore. There's another city, Amsbury, Massachusetts, back in 2010. 
the Department of Public Works director, Rob Desmaris, pulled the fluoride out of the water. He, he personally reached into every glass of water. And he's like, I'm pulling it out and pulling it out. He said, listen, we're getting this fluoride from China. And it's not dissolving. We're putting it in our reservoirs. We're putting it in and it's clogging up the pumps. It's not dissolving. He goes, sometimes only 60% of it would dissolve the way it's supposed to. So we, he goes, I don't even know what this stuff is. I mean, we just have these clumps in here and it's actually breaking the machinery. So I'm pulling the plug on putting the fluoride into our water until we can get this figured out. So he did that in 2010. I looked up at the Massachusetts has a state guide of all the cities and what their fluoride levels are. As of 2021, Amsbury does still not have fluoride in their water. But there's a difference between the two. Because at the end of the day, right, there are questions about how effective fluoride is in the water. Some doctors and dentists say it is one of the biggest public health benefits that we've ever seen by putting this in the water it has improved teeth health enormously and there there are people who go well it, it has a mild effect on teeth but it's not as great as other people say and then there are questions about not the zombies not calcifying the pineal gland which those are you know those are conspiracy theories out there but there are questions about the fluoride coming from china like what is in it the cdc says it's fully tested but other groups say the FDA is supposed to be the one testing it, and they're not testing it. We're getting these huge bulk orders in. We've had, remember, there was a huge controversy with toys coming over, and they had lead paints on them. So they go, based on the past, we don't want to put this stuff in our water supply. When we do put it in our water supply, it's clogging up these pipes. There are things on both sides, right? Is it good? Is it bad? Just Florida in general. And then the secondary question is, it's coming in bulk from China. Is it pure? Is it not? But the difference between Amesbury and Richmond is that Amesbury told the people, hey, we're going to stop putting fluoride in our water. So if you have young kids, you got to make sure you're using toothpaste with fluorides. Young kids can take fluoride supplements and adults can too. You can just buy supplemental fluoride. So there's this state guide for the state of Massachusetts and it lists Amesbury as one of the towns that says if you live in this town, make sure you supplement your fluoride. Because the water doesn't have it in there. The difference is, is that Kindle didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew outside of the water treatment board. Nobody knew that he did this. He just made a unilateral decision based on stuff that he had read. No feedback from the public. Didn't tell anyone. So these kids are sort of going to the dentist and they have these cavities. And the dentist is like, at one point, a parent goes, because she was speaking out of this meeting, she goes, my kids has cavities, and yeah, they eat sweets, they eat sweets just like every kid does, but I specifically asked my dentist, should I start to supplement fluoride? And my dentist said, no, there's enough fluoride in the water, they're getting enough fluoride. And that's really what makes this story interesting. It's not the fact that he stopped putting fluoride in the water, because a lot of cities and counties in the United States don't have fluoride in their water. Oregon, where I live, is in the top three least fluoride-friendly states. So it's not abnormal that you have cities and communities saying we don't want fluoride. The difference is not telling anybody 
that you're doing it. Reading stuff online, maybe talking to some water treatment people in other cities. And it should be noted, Kendall Chamberlain does not live in this town. He doesn't live in this town. He's at work and they're like, hey, you want a glass of water? He's like, no, I'm good. And then he drives home. He goes to his town. He's like, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm, sweet, sweet fluoride. His teeth are all ding. He doesn't live in this town. He took the fluoride out of the water. He didn't tell anybody. And all the townspeople just went around drinking non-fluoridated water. Now, does that mean that their teeth are going to shatter when they eat mashed potatoes? No. Does it have any, like, huge effects outside of kids getting cavities? Not really. Right? It's not a life-altering thing. But I found this story so interesting because these are the stories we find out. Like, I wouldn't want a flat earther to be the pilot of my plane. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's still going to land you in Beirut. He just thinks that he's flying around a big circle to get there. But imagine if somebody believed that space was fake. Like, you had a judge who goes about his day constantly doing, like, yeah, traffic court, sure, you get a ticket. You know, you ran a red light, you get a ticket. And then, but he also, in his spare time believes that space is fake that it's all and here's the thing like i i say that and you go jason no judge you'd have to be an idiot to believe that space is fake and it's all a hologram and space is made up to keep humans from realizing that god created the universe because that's what that theory is if we knew space was fake then it means that only god could create a floating disc it's so bizarre but you'd go, only an idiot would have believed in that. Well, guess who some of the judges are, man? They're idiots. They're idiots, right? You have idiots and morons in all layers of society. And I'm picking the dumbest guy. I don't think saying, I don't want to put fluoride in the water, I don't think that's an idiotic conspiracy theory. I was actually interested to find there's still a debate about it. Not telling people is the problem. If I went before a judge and I have a big, I'm in an astronaut suit. I got arrested for pretending to be an astronaut to pick up chicks at a bar. And it turns out the judge, the judge would actually find me not guilty. He's like, what space isn't real? Obviously you can't be an astronaut. You'd want to know what type of lunacy people believed in. And again, does it affect you? If there's an architect who believes that 9-11 was an inside job, and he's designing my house, it doesn't affect me at all, right? It doesn't affect me at all. He has that belief, he's looked at that evidence, he came to that conclusion. Okay, but just build my house, bro, I don't care. But what happens when someone like that is is in charge of a project that does affect people's lives? Well, I can't think of one. I can't think of one. But I did find it really fascinating that this guy believes this and didn't tell anyone and just changed the water supply and he didn't live there. I find it really interesting. Conspiracy. Again, also, I guess here is the big one. It doesn't really affect you or me. Hopefully not. But people who who believe in conspiracy theories and then murder people. There's. I'll put this in the show notes. I was going to cover it, but and I still may, but there was a guy recently who took a spear gun, a different, we covered a guy who used a spear gun to kill his family. This was a, a more recent story. A guy with a spear gun killed two of his daughters. We might have actually talked about it briefly on the show. He killed two of his kids, and the police caught him in Mexico, and he believed that they were going to turn into reptilian, half-human, half-reptilian monsters, or they already were these things. 
and he had to kill them to stop the reptilians from taking over the planet. And then I read a follow-up article. It was really heartbreaking where he was in prison now, right? He's still awaiting trial, but he was in jail. And he's slowly becoming less delusional because he's not reading the internet. He's not getting all of this stuff that was backing up his theories. But he's, he's like trying to figure, he's like, he still believes it. But now that he's not getting that constant feedback loop, that echo chamber about these reptilian overlords, he's like starting to question, should I have done that? It's a fascinating story. So yeah, there you go. The death of those two children. Yeah. And other people who've been killed because of conspiracy theories, gang stalking and stuff like that. Fascinating and grim stuff. This guy just made it so a couple kids got cavities. Like that's not too bad on the grand scale of things. But Brandon Schlob, Schlob? Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the dead rabbit dune buggy we're leaving behind Richmond, Vermont. Take us all the way out to a local bookstore. The reason why we're stopping by this bookstore, I want to do a real quick Dead Rabbit Recommends, and I very rarely recommend books, but I came across one. It's a good book with a bizarre controversy around it. This is a kid's book. The book is called After the Fall. After the Fall, and it's the story, like the subtitle is How Humpty Dumpty Got Back Up Again. And it is pretty much what it says. It's a children's picture book. Humpty Dumpty fell off a wall, smashed open. We all know that part. We actually did an episode on Humpty Dumpty. Fascinating story. But this is a different one. This is a different one. Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. He's a big old egg. Falls off the wall. Cracks open. And then the medics, the king's horses and the king's men, fix him. And then what we get is a book of... It's about PTSD. It's about PTSD. It's about depression and fear. It's a kid's book. It's probably like, I don't know, 20, 30 pages. And Humpty Dumpty is now afraid of heights. He's walking around town, and he's trying to deal with his crippling depression. He's holding an egg beater to his own head. That's the final page. Well, it's funny. I made that joke, but that kind of is how it ends in a way for some people. I'll, I'm going. If you don't want it spoiled for you, if you don't want this children's book spoiled for you, just Dead Rabbit recommends After the Fall, How Humpty Dumpty Got Back Up Again. I guess the spoiler's in the title. But anyways, recommended it's a good book. The story, though, goes like this. He falls off the wall, and then he's like, dude, my life sucks. I'm scared to do anything, and everything I love is really high. They show show him at home. He has a bunk bed. He sleeps on the top bunk. He's like, oh, man. He goes to the supermarket to buy cereal, and he goes, all the best flavors are on the top shelf. And there's like a ladder going to the top shelf. And it's like all of these delicious, like Lucky Charms and Frosted Flakes and Captain Crunch. And where he's at, it's just like gray boxes, gray boxes. And they just say stuff like corn or oatmeal and just like all of these gross things. Like he's too scared to go up and get what he loves. And he explains the reason why I was on the wall in the first place is I love to bird watch. I love to sit up on the wall and watch birds. But ever since I fell down, I don't go up there anymore. And there's there's page after page of him just kind of looking up at the sky and you see these birds way up there. And so he gets a pair of binoculars and that's not enough for him. He wants to be up there with the birds, but he can't be. So he decides at one point to make a paper airplane and he spends hours upon hours making this paper airplane. 
He goes, this will make me feel like I'm flying again. I'm up there with a the bird. So he's throwing his paper airplane around. It's shaped like a bird. He's throwing it around town. And then it flies and lands on top of the wall. The giant wall that surrounds the egg city. He watches his paper airplane land on the top of the wall. He's like, ah. He's like, you should just walk away, right? Like, I can't go up there. But he goes, no, I spent so long making that. And fear, fear of heights has kept me from doing the stuff I love. So he climbs that ladder. They show him climbing this giant ladder up to the top of the wall. And he gets up to the top of the wall and he grabs his paper airplane. And he's like, yes, yes, now I am free. And then you turn the page. When I read this, I was like, wow, that was a really cool ending, which I will tell you in a second. That's a really cool ending. Like, where I never, ever thought about that. I mean, it makes total sense, but it never once occurred to me that could happen. Then you'll look at Amazon. There's a bunch of one-star reviews, and they said, this book traumatized my child. My child ran out of the room crying. I can't believe anyone would write a book like this. This is so traumatic. Like there's multiple one-star reviews that say that. The final page. We learn. This is I, I never ever thought about this. This is why I don't write children's books. We learn that Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> did you know Humpty Dumpty was an egg? And inside the egg was a bird. So when he climbs back up to the wall, he shatters open, and this beautiful bird flies out of him. To join his brethren in the sky. He's finally free of the depression. He's finally free of the fear. And as the egg parts of his body fall to the ground below. It doesn't matter what Humpty Dumpty was. An egg who fell off a wall. Who was scared. He's now this bird. He's soaring through the air. And I remember seeing that last page. And I was like wow. Like that's a really cool way to end that story. The other way to read it, a bunch of people thought that he finally he finally got over his deep-seated fear of heights, and when he climbed to the top of the wall to get his paper airplane, a bird smashed into him, killing him instantly. As his body parts rained down on the city below, they thought that the bird didn't erupt from him, that the bird crashed into his fragile egg form and killed him on the spot. There's a lot of one-star reviews for the book saying this book traumatized my kids. They'll ne- they will never eat chicken or an egg ever again. Fascinating book though. I really recommend it. It's a really cool look at depression and at fear and how those things hold you back from doing the stuff you love. And again, they're talking about twist ending. I never once thought that Humpty Dumpty had a bird inside of <laughs> just assumed it was an egg. It was a fairy tale, right? Fascinating book. I just wanted to tell you that story. I thought it was cool. And the way people can see things differently is also interesting as well. Brandon Schlaub, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this bookstore. We're eating scrambled eggs in front of kids. We're like, ha, ha, ha. Here he goes, kids. The bird killed him, and then he's in my tummy. Take us all the way out to Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's the 1990s. We're headed out to 
Pikes Peak Avenue. Maybe. This might be the location of it. Because like so many ghost stories and just reality in general, right? Buildings are torn down. New buildings are built. Businesses fail or replaced by other businesses. This is just the way of the world. So as of right now, if you're in Colorado Springs, Colorado, I tried looking this up on the map. We may be standing outside the UC Health Building, which is a memorial administrative center, UC Health. And I'm very curious as to whether or not they get any more of this haunting phenomenon there. But back in the 1990s, it was a Montgomery Wards. Do you guys remember that? It was a department store, Montgomery Wards. It was one of the biggest department chains in the country. But now, if it even exists, it's a handful of stores. When it was a Montgomery Wards, though, it was reported to have a haunted bathroom. So when you walked through the store and you went back there and you had the women's bathroom and the men's bathroom... People would report that both of these bathrooms were haunted. And again, we talked about this on yesterday's episode. Very, very classic bathroom hauntings. As in the bathroom sinks would turn on and off. The lights would turn on and off as well. And the toilets would flush by themselves. Now what's funny is all three of those are now automated in most restrooms. Motion sensors on the lights. Motion sensors on the faucets, motion sensors on the toilets, but luckily there's also a button you can press when you got to do the courtesy flush. And when I was reading this story, I thought, well, here's a conspiracy theory for you. What if the reason why all of those have been invented is to cover up the existence of bathroom ghosts? (laughs) Okay, you're not going to talk about this for the next 10 minutes. No, 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 no. I got some other stuff about this bathroom, but... What if, right? I mean, sure, they could all be ways so some 10-year-old doesn't turn on the water faucet and leave, and then 10 hours later, you're like, oh, man, was this running all day? Like, it just turns on for a little bit. It's a water-saving thing. It's electricity-saving thing to have motion sensors on the lights. But I'm just saying, what if there was some sort of government council, and they're like, we have a real problem, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Bathroom ghosts have gone up 800%. And people are like, oh, no, not the bathroom ghosts. And he's like, The only way to cover up the existence of the afterlife is to install motion detectors in all of these devices. It may even save a little bit of electricity, and it'll save a lot of water, but it will mostly save people from finding out. Don't die in a bathroom. (laughs) If you die anywhere, you don't want to die in a bathroom, and they're all clapping in the meeting. Just a conspiracy theory. I don't have any proof to back that up, but that's not what we're specifically here for. I just thought that was kind of interesting. The reason why we're at the Colorado Springs wards is back in the 1990s, there was a story that happened. There was a family that went shopping at the wards. The story goes like this. Some versions, there's two kids, a son and a daughter. Some versions, there's just the son. Whatever, however many kids there were, here's the story. You have a father, we'll do the son. We'll just do the one kid. We'll have a father and a mother. And their son, they traveled to Montgomery Wards to do some shopping. Eventually, the son goes to the bathroom, right? You're shopping for a prolonged period of time. You got to go to the bathroom. So you go in there. I don't have to go into detail. You're like, what? What's a bathroom, huh? He's going to tell us some cool stuff. I never heard about this place. No, you know what a bathroom is. The kid says, I got to go to the bathroom. And dad's like, sure, I'll take you there. We don't know how old this kid was, but let's say 
eight, right? Maybe you don't want your eight-year-old walking around Montgomery Wards all by himself. The dad walks with the kid, and the son's like, okay, I got this from here, dad. And he goes into the bathroom, and the second the door shuts, all of a sudden, the father, who's standing outside, hears the worst blood-curdling scream he could ever imagine coming from inside the bathroom. And to make it 10,000 times worse, this horrifying scream is coming from his son. He recognizes his son's ear-piercing scream of terror, right? It's not just he's excited the Jonas Brothers are in town. It's not just the normal screaming because he watched a scary movie. This is one of those screams that most people live their entire life without hearing. And he's hearing it coming from his son who just entered into this bathroom. So the father rushes into the boys' restroom at this Montgomery Wards. His son's gone. Vanished. Never saw his son again. Now, there's another version of this story where it's not a single son, it's a son and a daughter. And they go into, you know, boy goes in the boy restroom, girl goes in the girl restroom. And they never come out. And there's no screaming. <laughs> the one where the kid's screaming for his life. I'm like, now that's entertainment. <laughs> there's another one where these two kids just go into the restroom. They never come out. And... They never saw the kids again. We don't know how much of this is urban legend. I'm actually trying to look up like I always do. I'm like looking up, trying to find an old news report on this. I could not find, when I Google searched Colorado Springs, Montgomery Ward's missing kid, nothing came up. Okay. But again, evidence of absence is not absence of evidence. Is that the other way? Or is it the other way? Wait, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Anyways, the point is, is that I couldn't prove that this story existed, but I couldn't prove it didn't. And we have this haunting at this Montgomery Wards. But what is fascinating about this is the ghosts in the restrooms. Because remember, there's one version, it's just a boy. And the other version, it is a boy and a girl. Because both restrooms are haunted. The ghosts of the bathrooms at Montgomery Wards were the parents. wasn't the son, or in the other version, the son and the daughter. It was the ghosts of the parents, their psychic pain over their missing child or children. That is what you're experiencing when the water's turning on and off and the lights are shutting on and off and the flushes. That is not the ghosts of the children it's not even the ghost of the phenomenon that may have snatched the child in the first place. Because at the end of the day, we have these missing kids. No, the ghost is actually the ghost of the parents who lost a child or children that day. So that's an interesting little twist to that. You might call that a Humpty Dumpty. That's my new term for a twist. Humpty Dumpty, there's a bird in him. Did you know that? They're like, what in the world are you talking about, you lunatic? They Humpty Dumptyed us. The ghosts are not the boys. And really, I'm, we're kind of painting over the pigeon in this one. What is... That's my new catchphrase. I don't know what it means. But what was the thing that kidnapped these kids in the first place? What in the world was that? Like something that could just make people disappear. Were there other missing people reports? 
Montgomery Wards. <laughs> Montgomery Wards are like, man, sales are up this year. But missing children is also up. <laughs> we should probably do something about the whole missing kids thing. And the boss is like, nah, nah, as long as the parents are spending money. What was that? What was that force? Did they no clip? Was this the original back rooms? Did they fall into some alternate universe and nothing but yellow hallways? Demon get him, ghost get him. Did they? What happened to the kids? We don't have any answer to that. The building's not there anymore. There may be a bunch of missing nurses from this UC Health building. But I'm just curious to see. Like, there's so many interesting. And again, the story could totally be made up. I found it on the Shadowlands.net. I found it in one other location as well. And that was that. What was the force that kidnapped the kids? Where did the kids go? And I, I, it's so funny because those are both unknowable things, right? Those are both unknowable things. They're very, very creepy. But then I'm also, I find that so interesting that the ghosts are not the kids. They're the parents. The parents, in a way, they never left that area. Like their psychic residue just stained that whole area that they were the ones interacting with everything. And it's a creepy story just in and of a ghost story. But I wanted to wrap it up like this. What is it? If I told you a story about a little boy who went into a restroom and never came out, just vanished. I did that story a long time ago. This was a story I remember hearing as a kid, and it terrified me. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's horrible. A kid, this is 100% true, a kid walked into a rest stop bathroom, or was like a gas station bathroom, and the dad was outside the bathroom, and the kid walked in. And the kid didn't come out, and the kid didn't come out, and the kid didn't come out. And then the dad went in there, and his kid's throat had been slit from ear to ear. There was just, like, some maniac in there. He killed, like, this 12-year-old kid who just walked in and used the bathroom. So, <laughs> I don't know why I always drop these horrifying true crime stories, like, right after a semi-lighthearted paranormal one. But that story terrified me as a kid. It's a 100% true, true crime story, like, the maniac was caught. My question is this, though, after I basically terrified you with that story, my question is this, why are bathrooms so scary? Because if I told you a story about a kid who walked into a department store bathroom back in the 90s and never came back out, he walked in, you hear an ear-piercing scream, you run inside, it's empty. If I told you that story, most people would go, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, and even if you don't believe in the paranormal, even if you thought in one area that was completely ludicrous, Jason, people just don't disappear. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, that kind of doesn't make sense. Bathrooms are creepy. Why are bathrooms creepy? And I think you could look at it from a psychological level and you, you people can go, well, that's where we're the most vulnerable. Normally our pants are down around our ankles and... That's me at the urinal. I'm standing there with my pants standing around my ankles. You know, basically, you're exposed on a predator-prey level. The When you're pooping, when you're peeing, is when you're the most vulnerable. So it is, is it a psychological thing? Like, when we're whether we're going to a, the bathroom in our own restroom or in a public restroom, they it's both creepy. It's both creepy. Like, it has all the stuff you could not want. As far as like creep level goes. That was a weirdly constructed sentence, but I think you know what I mean. Mirrors are creepy. Water is a little creepy. <laughs> Remember last story? Those cavities, man. It's causing cavities. Uh, water and ghosts have a really strong connection. Water and the paranormal have a very, very close connection. There's a lot of paranormal lore that says that any 
any body of water will attract spirits more than anything else. And that's funny because yesterday we were talking about ghosts are constantly thirsty. Running water, lakes, rivers, coastlines, whatever. They seem to have a really strong draw on the world of the paranormal. So that little bit of water in your toilet, like, I don't know, maybe there's a ghost in there. And then, actually, I just thought about it. What about that huge thing behind you, that huge ceramic thing full of water? There might be a ghost in there, too, just kind of hanging out. And then, so, and then you're, you're, you're naked, right? You're naked. You're sitting there, you're pooping, and you are physically vulnerable. You got all the stuff that you don't want, right? And the doors are super flimsy. You go, think about when you go into a public restroom, (laughs) you've already set up the podcast, you're like, great. Okay, this is the next 10 minutes. He's just, he's just talking about nonsense. See you tomorrow, bro. You go into a public restroom, you have the flimsiest of doors that have like an inch gap you can see through. It's just such a vulnerable place. It's a vulnerable state, and they're creepy. Like when you go into a public restroom, part of you goes, man, I hope no one else is in there because I want to be able to poop in peace. But then you get in there, and then you're like super spooky. You kind of wish there was a guy in the next stall that you can be like, hey, did you see Smile? (laughs) talking about what you haven't seen that movie man have you read the spoilers for black adam then you hear the guy doesn't even wipe he just gets out of the stall and leaves you're like yeah guess he doesn't like superhero movies and bathrooms are creepy even your own personal bathroom are creepy public restrooms are really creepy and again not creepy because some guy might be in there with a razor blade to slit your throat although that that is a concern as well but why are public restrooms just spooky Is it because there's always a bunch of doors that you can't see through? Is it because of the horror movies? Is it because of the things that we've seen? Or is it real stuff? Is it you have all of these closed doors, you don't know if there's any threats nearby, you're having to take your clothes off, you're going to the bathroom, you're super vulnerable, and best case scenario is you're all alone, and worst case scenario is you're all alone. Like, there is just something intrinsically spooky about public restrooms. Your own restroom, yes, but public restrooms specifically. So when I read this story about this kid disappearing, I go, yeah, that that could happen. Like, if it happened in the middle of a restaurant and the kid's just like, ah, and he, like, disappeared, I'd still do a story. (laughs) I'd still cover it on my paranormal podcast. But I'd be like, yeah, it's a little weird. You know, There he was in the middle of a public restaurant. He's in the middle of a McDonald's and he dematerialized. Like... That's not cool for the kid, but it gave me something to talk about. But it would just kind of be an outlier. But the fact of someone going into a bathroom and never coming out again, maybe it is because I read the action now thing about it. It might be because I got traumatized by that true crime story when I was a kid. But this story really like resonated with me. Like I could totally see this happening. If you're going to disappear anywhere in a civilized world, I'm not talking about you're walking in the middle of a national park or you're climbing through mountains in Russia or you're out in the middle of the desert. If you're going to disappear anywhere in modern society due to a paranormal phenomenon, I believe it would be in a public restroom. I don't know why I believe that. I don't feel like I can put it in words. I feel like I've been trying to put it in words for a while. But there's something deeply unsettling to me about public restrooms. It could just be because of horror movies. It could be because of urban legends like Bloody Mary. It could be because of true crimes that I've actually come across in my research, or it could actually be that the act of humans sitting on these porcelain seats and defecating into them 
and then you leave and then someone else poops into them and someone else poops into them. This, I mean, how much of this is a ritual? How much of this could you accidentally be performing some sort of weird ritual? We did an episode a long time ago about there is this demon who he feeds on our excrement. Like every, the way it works is like every time you poop, you're giving him an offering. And so is it something weird like that? Is there is there something more disturbing about being in a public restroom as opposed to your own, which household restrooms are creepy too, but is it because of that? It's because you have hundreds of pounds of poop from hundreds of butts being produced every single day, and there is some sort of weird, mystical, psychic energy being generated there but there may not be a demon necessarily to feed off of that but you are having all of this physical residue being washed away but the psychic residue stains the area and it weakens the walls between the real and the unreal that's kind of what i was getting at that's kind of all of that long winded stuff that's kind of what i was trying to put it into words like is there something with this repeated act of defecation and urination and to us, it is a biological thing. But you can't tell me you don't feel weird when you're in these public restrooms. Or maybe you can. Maybe it's just me. But I'm wondering if it is this constant purging of our own bodies is doing something to the barrier in these places. Not all of them, right? But you may have these places that have been around for so long and... This has been going on for so many years, these so many strangers, so many butts, that it actually is causing, if not something so dramatic that people walk in, scream, and are never seen again, definitely causes an easier way for the ghosts to interact with, right? Haunted bathrooms, they do seem to pop up a lot throughout the lore. It might, I won't say it's the most popular place to haunt, but you'll find a ton of them. And you could go, Jason, faulty pipes. That's why faulty lights. That's why it's just... Maybe. But I don't know. Public restrooms are spooky. I've always thought they were spooky. And yeah, when I was a kid, I read a story about a little boy who got his throat slit in one. And that could be the reason why. But I also think it might be the other thing. It might be that... No place on earth was meant for that many butts to produce that much poop. But we've been doing it for so long, it actually is. In all of these hot spots all over the world, these public restrooms, it actually is allowing the unreal to become real. It's creating these doorways for the world of the paranormal to intrude on our own. So the next time you're out shopping after a large meal of Taco Bell, and you feel that seven-layer burrito pushing against your lower intestine, I say, hold it in. I say, hold it in, bro. Don't take the chance. Don't take a chance. Because sure, you might be able to relieve that horrible feeling in your body and purge yourself of all of that Taco Bell. But it's worth it. They're goblin making shoes. I'm encouraging you to have a blockage in your lower... You go to the hospital, they're like, dude, it looks like you haven't gone to the bathroom in like two weeks. You're like, the goblins! The goblins! I listened to this podcast, Dead Rabbit Radio. He recommended it to the doctors as he's doing surgery on you. He told me that there's a chance that if I go to the bathroom in public, a goblin might get me in there like, what? I totally got to... What? That's insane! I totally got to check out that podcast. And you're like, giving him a thumbs up. And then the goblin... And then the 
doctor's a goblin. He's three goblins wearing a mask. Deadrapradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up. This show is totally gone off the rails, man, but uh, I love it. Deadrapradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrapradio. TikTok is at deadrapradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Bye.